Hello and welcome to Who Knew, a Doctor Who podcast. I, as always, am your host, Josh Carr, and with me today is another very, very special guest. It is the one and only Joe Lidster. How are you? Hello, I'm fine. How are you? I'm I'm very good. I'm very good. And I'm very happy to have you here. That's right. It's lovely it's, to be here. Yeah. Um, because obviously, I mean, everybody listening at home will undoubtedly already know who you are. But <laughs> if you've been living under a rock um in the Doctor Who stratosphere, you are a writer. I am. And yes. you've you've written a lot, a lot of Doctor Who related content uh, yeah. over the years, um, which is is amazing. I mean, I mean, just to, to start off with, um, obviously, I know that I'm, I'm going to do that thing where I reel off your own credits to you. Like, no, that's good. Don't know, but um, I mean, aside from you know, countless big finishes, um, you know countless of other things I, I i believe i read that you wrote the uh, the doctor who experience like peter capaldi story is that right yes yeah yes. i did the last one before that. yeah um and then uh, on tv you've got credits for sarah jane adventures and torchwood yes. which is so cool um <laughs> so mm. obviously you wrote a day in the death for torchwood and then you wrote three Sarah Jane Adventure stories, which is The Mark of the Berserker, Mad Woman in the Attic, and The Nightmare Man. Yes. And I hope I'm not missing anything there. TARDIS Wiki is my Bible, and I'm praying that I haven't missed anything. I just, but I'm pretty I'm pretty sure I got I got a lot of that. Because there's a yeah. lot to cover. There's a lot to cover in, in what you've done. Um so what what I always like to do is go back to the very start with Doctor Who. So were were you a fan of the show growing up or was it a case that you came to it later in life? Um, so, yeah, I was. I Different days back then. We didn't have the internet. Um, yeah. So I was my one of my earliest or very few childhood memories. I don't really remember anything of anything. But uh, one of my few childhood memories of ter- the Vervoids terrifying me. Um, hmm. So I watched it, loved it. Um, I then, but at the same time, I was reading our library had uh, these sort of hardback novelizations of the Peter Davison stories. Mm-hmm. And I was reading those, and I never really made the connection that it was the same thing that I watched on telly. Yeah. Um, and then eventually, there was a school, li- school bookshop. And they had a novelization of Dragonfire. And I was like, that's, that's Doctor Who and Ace on a book. And suddenly it all started to make sense. And I made friends with a guy who was a big Doctor Who fan. Um, and that's where I kind of really got into it. And yeah, I, I, I sort of always have a, a slight theory that when if you're everybody loves Doctor Who until they reach about 13, 14. And then some people stay with it and do podcasts like yourself and yes. some people yeah. grow up and don't hate and can't stand Doctor Who because it's embarrassing because I'm a teenager and they don't want to watch Doctor Who. I was one of those that stayed with it but I stayed with it because when I reached that age uh, the TV series finished but the new adventures came out and uh, mm-hmm. the Virgin New Adventures are sort of perfect for an angsty an angsty teenage boy in 1990s yeah. Yorkshire 
um they were sort of you know absolutely for me uh so yeah so i was a fan of that but i wasn't um i went to one convention um in 1993 uh, my mum took me and my mate there for our birthday uh in london the panopticon i think it was you know sort of anniversary special one mm -hmm. uh, but i didn't know other fans or anything like that um because it wasn't that big a deal back then yeah so did, did you meet anyone at the convention or was it just a, a room well, full funny, of doctors? I'm a bit things. of a, I'm a big bit of a bad fan. I, well, not that's a bad fan. I don't, I've got no interest in autographs or anything like that. They yeah. don't interest me. I'm, I'm, it's fine if that's what you're into. I, I genuinely, mm -hmm. I'm not saying if I didn't meet, you know, David Lynch, I'd maybe get him to sign my Twin Peaks Blu-ray or something, but I wouldn't mm -hmm. go to meet him at a thing and get something signed. But, um, and that convention, so I really enjoyed the panels, um, you know, the people coming on and talking, loved all that, uh, but I didn't have any interest in going to meet them face-to-face -face and getting, because mm. that's how, you, you know, you meet them, you get the things uh, things signed, you know, that's how you could meet someone like Louise Jameson, you'd take something yeah. to Louise Jameson and say, please sign mm -hmm. this. I didn't really have any interest in doing that. Um, so I spent a lot of time in the hotel room and sent my mate out to do it. <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I can't be bothered. You go and do it. Uh, so yeah, I didn't yeah. actually meet that many people. I think probably met a couple, but um, yeah, mm. no, it was good. Yeah, because I'm quite new to convent. Like I've I've only done like well, I've only done one major convention, mm. which was like London Film and Comic Con a couple of years ago. And I'm the I'm the same with autographs. Like I I an autograph doesn't really do it for yeah. me because. I, I just can't, I'm just terrible. I just can't tell them apart. I just know that I'd get them <laughs> yeah. home and I'd be like, who's autographed who again? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I did do a few photo ops because I like them. I like the idea of just having a photo of me and a mm. doctor. That was, that was cool. Um, but yeah, I was, I loved the panels. I was the same as yeah. you. Like just sitting and just listening to people. It's probably what partially inspired this podcast, to be honest. Just listening to people talk about, you know, their methods of working and just mad stories behind the scenes on the show. Like that's that's the kind of thing that yeah. I loved. Um, so, that, I mean, it's, it's an interesting beginning because you, you sort of started at the end with, mm. with Doctor Who. You know, it, it was sort of gone before you could, you know, like, spend years and years and years with it yeah and then um because i've not i've not read the, the virgin new adventures so what what is it that oh i know you mentioned like it's perfect for like an angsty team i know i know of them but like what is it that like lured I mean, you I, in with those i imagine a lot of them have aged terribly i imagine mm. they have aged really badly i'm hoping a lot of them are probably still very good but they were very sort of um you know, too big for the small screen, I think that's what they were called. And mm. so they were very, um, I still got them all. I'd love to, you know, one day I will start rereading them. But they were very sort of, um, they had lots of continuity. So everything was always, you know, they'd mention the same planets or they'd get the same thing. And and that felt real. That felt a bit more real than Doctor Who, the TV series did. Because, mm. you know, that just went somewhere new every week or every four weeks. Um People had sex. It was a uh, you know yeah companion. It it was just a lot more. It, I imagine a lot of it is still very good. Um, I yeah. I loved them. I loved them at the time. I was so excited. I remember just being so excited whenever they just show future covers 
in Doctor Who magazine. I just remember being like, oh, what's this? You know, that looks yeah. so exciting. Um, and yeah, and I loved it. I loved the sort of world building, especially when the missing adventures came along and mm-hmm. connections are made and adjudicators kept coming back. That was the thing, was the adjudicators and the yeah. Earth Empire and stuff. And I just loved all that. And yeah, so I really, you know, sort of, yeah. I mean, my mate who I got into Doctor Who with, he couldn't he didn't, no interest in them at all. He just would watch the old videos. Um, mm. But yeah, so yeah, I just loved them. Um, yeah. Well, I like, like I said, I've, I've not read any, but like from the outside looking in, I just, I always see them like as if, if, if like Doctor Who did like pulpy, like gritty B movies and mm. like, like straight to video nasties yeah. and stuff like and that. So it is that thing of, I think it's very much Doctor Who aimed at teenagers. It's mm-hmm. or blokes in their 20s and 30s, maybe, but, um, it was very much not aimed at a family audience, mm-hmm. which I think was perfect for someone like me who probably had Doctor Who carried on on TV. I would have reached, you know, 14, 15, 16, whatever, and been a bit, oh, it's just a bit embarrassing. It's for kids. It's, a, it's an embarrassing yeah. thing. Um, but because it was the gritty books, yeah. and I didn't feel silly reading them. Mm-hmm. I don't think I read them at school. I wasn't that, wasn't that brave. Yeah. Um, so, so away from Doctor Who for a minute. So, where where did writing start for you? Because I've read somewhere that you originally wanted to be an actor. Is that mm. is that right? Yeah, I did a lot of acting uh, when I was mm. a kid. Uh, not you know, nothing professional. Um, but school productions. I was in a drama group. Um, I was even in the operatic society. Which so basically it was me, my then girlfriend. So that. That was a long time ago. Uh, and uh, a bunch of 80-year-olds who'll all be dead by now. So, um, yeah, that was a thing. We used to do, like, Seven Brides of Seven Brothers and things, just all these wow. geriatrics <laughs> and then me and this girl. Um, so, yeah, it was probably, imagine, a real delight to watch. Um, so I did all that, and then I sort of reached, I don't know, 16, 17, when you start doing your A-levels, it was like 17. Mm, and I yeah, did, we did a school production of... Or hires or whatever people call yeah, it. So yeah, like yeah, levels like 16, 17, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So it'd be around then. And I did we did a school production of Amadeus and I loved it. I was Salieri in it, which was great, a brilliant role and, and really influenced my writing actually. But um it was also the first time I started to feel very self-conscious about being on stage, um, not getting on miserable about it. You know, I was sort of I didn't even know what gay was, let alone that I was in the closet because we didn't get taught what gays were at school, you know, it was banned. Um, so it wasn't really a, a thing that I really knew what was going on. But all I know was I started to feel quite self-conscious about my voice sounding camp, um, about yeah. the way I looked, because I was quite sort of skinny. Um, I mean, now I'd kill to be skinny. I don't know what I was worried about. But um, <laughs> then, yeah, so it was that, that all combined just made me just, I felt started to feel self-conscious. And, but at the same time, loved the script of Amadeus and realised how great the script was. And that's why we got to do exactly, it was like it's sort of this connection in my head of going, but the only reason that, you know, like one night my teeth end act of act one, end of act one, I had to curse at God um, and then have a nervous breakdown on stage. And I remember at one point the teachers coming through to me and saying, are you okay? Cause I'd been really good. And I did, they, they thought it was, you know, I'd really hurt myself. Um, but I was making that realisation that I was only getting the ability to do that kind of stuff 
because the script was so good. The script was so powerful and brilliantly written that I realized, you know, the actors have nothing to do if they don't have the scripts. Uh, at the same time, I was doing a media GCSE as sort of a bonus thing and was really starting to go, oh, so TV can be analyzed in the same way that I analyzed Thomas Hardy last year in English and things like that. Mm. So it all sort of started to come together and I just sort of thought, actually, that's really kind of what I want to do. So I did media at university to learn sort of the basics of uh, production and, and more of the history of the media and film and TV. Yeah. Um, and I learned like, how to structure a script and so on. There wasn't much emphasis on script writing, sadly, but um, but it was good and it was useful. Um, and, you know, I also met lots of people, so it was exciting for me. But uh, yeah, so it kind of, I don't remember ever suddenly going, I want to be a writer. I think even yeah. when I graduated university, there was no big, I want to be a writer. There was a big, I want to make TV, very specifically mm. TV. I've got, no, I've got no interest in film. I'd love to write a film, but I don't have the big ambition that a lot of media students had, which was I want to be in Hollywood and make films. And I want to be the new, in, yeah. in our day, it was Quentin Tarantino. Um, I want to be the new Quentin Tarantino. For me, it was like, I just love TV. I want to make TV that goes into people's houses. Um, and then I think gradually realizing actually writing was what I could do, um, which is when I pitched to Big Finish. Um, yeah, so it sort of all happened around the same time. Yeah, well, that's that's what I was going to come on to next. So that is a fantastic segue. You you are a natural. Um, I've done a few. I've literally done another podcast already today. So have you? Oh, I'm on a podcast role. You're, you're on a. You, you are in Any the podcast. Don't you say? So. I will yeah. <laughs> um, Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, Big Finish. It's. Mm. It's something that, that comes up a lot on the podcast. I, that, Everyone at home knows that I'm at the very start of my big finish journey. Cause oh, it's a, right. it's a, it, yeah, it's a bit of a big journey. There's a lot to, there's a lot to cover. But mm. um, yeah, like, but last month I've started listening to Big Finish. And I mean, it's, it's such an interesting way of, I don't know how, how to put it. Like it's it's such a strange way of writing mm. because like I'm I'm also at, at the start of of my journey. Oh, this sounds so wanky. Um <laughs> my my journey like into the writing. Circle. It's great. Yeah. Tell me more. Yeah. Um <laughs> I'm yeah, I'm starting to to try and write stuff as well mm. and trying to write like audio series um just because it's the easiest thing that you can make from home rather than you know going mm. out and shooting something um definitely and i found that you know listening to big finish and trying to write audio it's so difficult because not having that visual medium to get things mm. across is is like, hampers you but in a way that you know means that you've you've sort of got to really use your your exposition and stuff like that to and, and make it interesting um i mean how how did you find writing for big finish because you've done a lot of of audios and a lot of different types of audios over the years uh, how, was, how have you found it compared to tv for example well especially i mean i started a big finish so it's it's still the thing i feel most comfortable doing yeah um i love writing audio i never have an issue with it anymore um you know a long time i suppose mm. but um i i yeah i still work for big finish um as a producer and script editor on their dark shadows range and i can literally look at a script and I, and I know if it works on audio or not i don't 
I can't analyze it. Um, I, I, if they come through, the, do we know they've come through the door? Well, yes, if you know they've come through the, you know, it's, I, I certainly I don't think I've ever felt the need to write, why are you pointing that gun at me type dialogue. Um, mm. So I've never really had an issue with it. But I also do tend to write slightly more character led stuff. Um, yeah. So I'm very unlikely to write like a big space battle where you mm. might need someone to say, oh, that's our spaceship. That we're well, that was on their side. That was one of the Dalek spaceships that was killed, blown up. Um, I'm less likely to write stuff like that. So I'm less likely to have to write stuff like that. I'm far more likely to write two people in a room talking about the feelings and then mm -hmm. someone is a ghost or something. Um, so it's never really been an issue for me, but it, it was also when I first started, um, my first big finish was... Uh, the Rapture in 2000, and... I was writing in 2001, I think about in 2002. Um, and the majority of Big Finish had been quite, it sounds damning to say it, and I genuinely don't mean it in a damning way, but they'd been quite traditional Doctor Who. I yeah. think at that point, the, some of the Eighth Doctor stuff, you know, when you get your Rob Shearman's in, and so mm. on, you started to get a bit more experimental, but most of them were, I think if you went back and listened to them, quite a lot of them there would be teaser scenes, someone gets killed, someone we don't know gets killed, cuts to mm. TARDIS, Doctor and Companion in TARDIS, talking about where they're going to go, or where they want to go, TARDIS lands, Doctor and Companion get split up and get embroiled, so on, da, 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 um, and save the day, and brilliant, you know, loved a lot of them. Um, uh, and there were, yeah, there were different styles. There were ones that used the audio medium more than others, but they tended to fit that kind of thing. Um, yeah. And I suppose being more of a fan of the new adventures because I was younger than the other writers, um, I had been written the new adventures that I'd enjoyed, um, and maybe being, I think being just less of a Doctor Who fan. I still to this mm. day haven't seen all the stories. Um, I remember being in the pub when I finally, you know, moved to London and, and would start going out with the other big Finnish people. Um, I remember being in the pub and someone would go, oh, I just don't like season 16. And I'd be like, what's season six? I don't know what, do you mean, is that Romana? Is that one of the Romanas? Tell me, you know, it'd be like, I don't yeah. know that that much. I didn't have that kind of Doctor Who. And I think because there's maybe because that slightly different background, it didn't cross my mind to write Doctor and his companion in the TARDIS talking about where they've been or where they're going. Yeah. It was like, well, I want to get them, you know, we decided to set the story in Ibiza. It's like, I want to get them to Ibiza. Um, it's like, oh, or giving Doctor an old mate. So when they land there in the train, I didn't want them going, well, what year is it? Let's look at the bunny. So they just asked, they went to see his old mate and his old mate went, by the way, it's 1997 Doctor, which I thought was quite funny, but a lot of people thought it was a rubbish line, but I stand to it. I stand by it. I think it's a great line. Um, but you know, that episode two is very bonkers. It's, um, I haven't listened to it in years. It's, but it uh, edits um, between words. So it'll be Ace and a character talking, and she'll say, I've got to go to the, and it'll cut to two of the characters, and then it's, you know, it'll be like shops or whatever. But, you know, yeah. hopefully slightly better than that. And music and all overlapping, and it all builds up because it's kind of very trippy. It's very deliberately, mm -hmm. a very sort of drug induced trippy episode um i was going out a lot at the time it was you know yeah it's very much sort of <laughs> my life and uh i yeah it was hated it was absolutely hated but it didn't cross my mind to have 
people describing what they could see because I just well, thought well, mm. if the music is if dance music is playing and everybody's talking and then everybody goes quiet but they're still dancing then you'll know they're still dancing but they somehow seem to be in a trance and then the DJ says something about you're all my children now so to me it was never like I didn't need a character to go everyone stops talking they, they mm. look like they're in a trance and um, yeah yeah so it never crossed my mind to do that and so I don't think I ever then did it and then my second story was uh, one called Master, which was basically a bunch of old people in a house talking to each other. Well, two people talking in a room, you know, one of them might say, what's that book you're reading? But you'd say that in real life anyway. You know, yeah. it, it's like if someone's holding, if you were holding a book, I might say to you, what's that book you're reading? Um, so again, with Master, so I think from then on, because those two had been quite, like the first one, I just didn't care. I was like 23, 24, I don't know. Um, I just didn't care. I was just like, this is amazing. I'm getting a chance to write Doctor Who. I'm getting a chance to write, and I'm getting a chance to write Doctor Who. And it's Sylvester and Sophie, who I grew up with. And I'm writing about dance music and and that lifestyle, which is what I was living and loved. Um, yeah. It's like, this is not my dream come true. I don't give a sh- Can we swear? <laughs> it's always on time. I don't give fair. a monkeys about you, um, that's fine <laughs> about narrative structure or anything like that. It's like I just do everything at it, which is why it's for all that um, I joke about it being hated. It does absolutely fall apart in the last half. The last two episode three is okay. Episode four is terrible. I learned a lot from writing it, but I think at the time I probably thought I was never going to write anything again. So mm-hmm. throw everything at it. Master's so different and quiet, and literally doesn't need any. And the whole point of Master is. If you go quiet and there's footsteps approaching because it's all spooky and um horror uh so i think from then on because i did those two where i hadn't thought about how it's audio at all um mm. i think from then on I just didn't think about it i just got on with it and yeah i don't know it's weird it is genuinely something i don't ever consciously find myself thinking of the only thing i yeah. find myself consciously thinking of is are there ways that I can use audio? So I do the dark shadow trains we do is a lot mm. of horror. So I will sit there and go, right, cut some of the dialogue, just the footsteps approaching. Footsteps approaching, you're sitting there and listening to it, go, what's going on? Um, mm. You know, because it's like theatre, you're immersed in it. Uh, so I think about it in that respect, but I don't think about I've never really thought about it in a, how will we know who's coming through the door? Yeah, we'll, no, that's, we'll that's, that's really interesting. Yeah, because... I, I feel like, like, like I said, I'm, I'm starting, I'm just starting out with, with writing it. You know, it's like the first thing I've written in years. I'm just sort of winging it, if I'm honest. But yeah, um, yeah like, like when you're thinking about it, if you overthink it, you, you, tr- you're, you get in your own head and you're like, well, how's anyone going to know what people are actually doing? But it's like what you said, it's like a, a lot of assumptions can just, sort of be made because you're so immersed in it you just yeah. sort of feel like you're just standing around with these characters um i think you just got to write what you want to write and yeah you know get someone to read it afterwards and go do you want or, or get, when you get people to act it out go well you who listened to them acting it out did you know what was going on and they'll tell you this you know no idea yeah. know who got shot but mm-hmm. um yeah I don't know. I probably should go back and re-listen. I might be talking a load of rubbish because I could go back and listen to them and be fine. They're full of people describing what's going on, but I don't remember no, doing it. No, no, no. I, I mean, from from what I've listened so far, I, I think you, you've you've hit the nail on the head there. Um, I mean, how, how did it how did it even come about? Like Big Finish was it? Were you approached or did you approach them? Oh, no, or? no, I was not involved at all. Um, 
So in those days, Doctor Who uh, was very much, well, it's described as an old boys club, and I think that's really unfair. It was a bunch of mates who all mm. knew each other. Um, they, so it was a bunch of people who'd been, mostly had been fans, I think, for years, and quite a lot of them had written the new adventures and so on, and Big Finish gets put together and, and all those people. Um, and... I meanwhile had I think I'd listened to one, maybe two of the releases because just didn't have them, didn't didn't have the time. I was, you know, busy yeah. um and wasn't that big a Doctor Who fan than no, you know, by then. Uh, it was just I was aware they were doing it. Um and I yeah, had this idea and I thought my degree hadn't told me anywhere what to do, how to get a job or anything. So I was working in telesales and then back at home working in Debrich Smith. And then I was about to move to Ireland and got a job in car finance. And I just thought, well, I'll just send them an idea. Um, so I sent them, I think it was quite a detailed document um, for a story called The Priory Experience, which was um, basically what the rapture became. And Gary Russell replied saying, really liked it. Can we chat? Can we go further? Um, and that's and that ended up happening. Um, but I didn't know anybody. I um, yeah. so I then moved to Ireland, and I was then invited to a big Finnish Christmas party. And I was like, I don't know anybody there. I'm not going. This is scary. I didn't do things like that. I wasn't that kind. I'm not kind of not very brave or extroverted or anything. Um, but I thought I can't miss up the opportunity to go. So I sort of booked myself into a hotel, flew over um walked into this party i remember deck donnelly anton deck's deck was at the bar with um his then partner i don't know if they're still partners claire oh she's in the one doctor i think she's in 2.4 children i can't remember a really good fun, fun actress bookfield claire bookfield um i think they were going out at the time and i just remember going in deck donnelly's at the bar and i'm like well this is mad yeah. uh and then i sort of stood there for a bit and Gary Russell came over and said, hey, and I went, I'm Joe Lidster. And he was like, oh, hey, you know, great to meet you. Uh, then he was like, yeah, yeah, well, you know, I think free bar or whatever, you know, help yourself. And I sort of stood there. And so he went off and I sort of stood there and was like, you don't know anybody here. I've flown over from Ireland, but I don't, I'm scared. Um, and then about 10 minutes later, I think Gary saw me and was just like, oh, I'm so sorry, you don't know. Who. So he sat me with some writers and introduced me. And it was, I just remember him sitting down and going, and this is Steve Lyons. And me being like, I love Steve Lyons. Oh my God. You know, so real kind of, not fanboy, but kind of, well, I suppose fanboying, but more for, oh my God, I want to talk to all of you. You are amazing yeah. people. Um, and yeah, uh, so that happened. And yeah, and then I would come over for the recording. So I did get to know more people. And uh, I was sort of, the rapture was directed by Jason A. Gallery, who was the big boss at Big Finish. So he mm. recommended me to one of the other producers, Nigel Fares, for um, the Tomorrow People and the Sapphire and Steel Rages. Um, so yeah, I did get to know people and that got me more work. But yeah, no, to yeah. begin with, didn't know anybody. Um, yeah. It was quite, quite weird. You know, it was, no, yeah, no, no it's, it's an interesting way in, like at a Christmas party with, with mm. Deck. Um, yeah, I just remember standing there. And I, was, and I remember Liz Sladen was there. I do remember her turning up and me being a bit like, oh, Sarah Jane Smith. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. I can imagine that being, as someone who is very, you know, I, I, I lack in confidence in social mm. situations as well, I would have 
literally had a probably just nipped to the toilet and had a mini breakdown. Yeah, um, I, think, I, probably did. I think what I did was yeah. I drank a bit, I wanted to have a couple of pints, a bit more chatty, and I was like, I think yeah. then I was fine and just got on with people. Yeah, it's it's about finding that balance though. You yeah, know, you don't, you don't want to go to the shops too early and then you end up, no. you know, <laughs> like chucking up on Sarah Jane Smith. That would yeah, be, no, that would be a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, how, how did, because I mean, obviously we're, we're still right at the beginning of, of your career here. Mm. Um, and obviously, you know, Doctor Who is sort of woven in very different ways throughout it. Um, so, I mean, you know, following Big Finish and, you know, those few years later, obviously 2005, the show comes back. How, how do you then become involved with the show? Is it is it a case of because I know a lot of people who were involved in Big Finish sort of got, got involved in the show in different ways as well mm. when it came back because it just seemed obviously it's a it's a natural progression. But yeah. um, how, how did how did you get involved in the show? And um, for anyone at home who doesn't know, like what what kind of things were you doing before you were writing for the spin-offs? So the first thing I did was um, I, what was the order? I think it was James Goss first. Um, I wrote a story about unit for Big Finish. For They did a little unit miniseries. And again, I did my usual, change the theme tune, nightclubs, dance, murder, chuck, <laughs> um, very OTT. Um, and a guy called James Goss. Uh, listened to it and I was in the pub and I don't we knew each other like we knew each other to say hello but we weren't you know what I would call mates or anything we never became mates and um, good mates uh, but he came over and sort of said I really liked uh, I, I listened to a lot of Big Finish I really liked your unit story last night uh, I listened to it last night really enjoyed it and I was like a bit joking and cheeky and sort of went oh give me a job and because he was the sort of boss I think or one of the boss creative boss of uh, the Doctor Who spin-off websites. So for series one of the new series, they did that who is doctorwho.co.uk that Billy uh, Rose Tyler looks at in the first episode. It's Clive's <laughs> website. And across series one, they did stuff with these websites and so on. And I so I drunkenly said to James, well, give me a job on your websites then. And he said, well, actually, I am looking for a writer. I want, because they were doing, going much bigger for series two. Mm-hmm. Um so I got employed to write the sort of fictional website for, let's say, the British Rocket Group, the Christmas Invasion. Yeah. The people mm-hmm. going into space. Um, yeah. That guy who got killed. I wrote, I wrote a lovely family story for that guy who got killed, <laughs> which I thought was quite sick. Um, and yeah, he, uh, yeah, so I got that. And that sort of got me into full-time writing because that became, for series two, they were quite, probably all looks incredibly dated now, but at the time they were very sort of quite experimental of what what game can we do, you know, computer games, which I never understood any of. So I just did all the creative stuff about the writing and so on. And it was brilliant. It's one of my favourite ever jobs. We just had such a good laugh doing it. But also what I did was I was Mm -hmm. in Cardiff a lot. So I started to get known by people in Cardiff. Um, I would get taken to, I started to know quite a few people who worked on Doctor Who Confidential. just socially, because James was very social and, and gotten well with those people. There was a sort of, you know, <laughs> not the very important people. And then there was all a sort of 
let's do let's let's go out let's have fun and yeah. um we did that and you know even went to a couple of rap parties but around the same time gary russell got a job so he'd, he'd employed me the first person to call me big finish he got a job working for um bbc wales he left big finish and got a job and he was yeah i want to say he was in charge of like the sort of spin-off books and everything like that it's all a bit of a blur but then i got employed to the first things i got employed to do it was it was all around the same time because yeah, i remember the books of martha in i got employed to um edit down some of the doctor who books for audio books mm-hmm. so i remember there's a zygon one that's the one i do remember there's yeah. the Zy- something s s of the zygons it begins with s i think and it's definitely a martha book and it's got zygons in it and that was one of them and i had to like cut them down by two thirds or cut them down by half which is quite tricky um and i did the same and at the same time gary got me to visit the set of torchwood the new show with um the three original writers of the books dan ebner Mm -hmm. peter angelides and andy lane i think and the four of us were taking around the sets and everything because I was going to abridge their books for audio. Um, mm. So I just became a bit of a fixture. Yeah. <laughs> it would be like, Joe, why are you at this Doctor Who rap party? It's like, I don't know, <clears throat> someone brought me here. Um, and uh, it was fun and I really enjoyed it. And then, so I loved doing the websites. Uh, it really gave me a love of doing, I love writing for different mediums. I really do love doing I'm doing, I'm start, just starting an online job now, which I can't wait to really get into. Um, it's going to be fascinating, but um, I love doing that. And I love doing audio and I love doing TV and I love doing fringe theatre. Mm-hmm. So it was really a really fun time. And I, yeah, then series two of Torchwood. So I've done the series one of Torchwood. Again, it was like, well, Joe's our default. We'll get him to do the spin-off websites and stuff. So I did stuff like that. And um, the sort of annual and things like that. Uh, and then I, uh, uh, Russell T. Davis said to Gary Russell, by that point, Gary got mo- moved, became a script editor on Torchwood. And mm-hmm. Russell said to Gary, um, are there any, uh, you know, Torchwood, I want it to be, help new, you know, to, to be younger, you know, I want yeah. it to be younger and more diverse and everything like that. And he said, is there anybody from Big Finish, any writers from Big Finish you think could have, uh, uh, you know, could possibly be able to write a TV script. Mm-hmm. And Russell, uh, Gary suggested me, which was really nice. And so I had a meeting with Russell and Julie. Um, and they asked me, you know, what did I think of Torchwood and everything? Now I'm a genuine and was a genuine huge fan of series one of Torchwood. I love it. Sex, gas, mm-hmm. monsters, cyber women, everything. I love series one of Torchwood. Yeah. There's one episode I don't like, and that's uh, Small Worlds with the fairies, because I don't think it fits the show. I think mm. because I said that to Russell, that got me the job because I was just, I thought, sod it. I've got to be cheeky. I've got to be honest. There's no yeah. point in me sitting here. I'm not, I mean, you talk to me, yeah, you see the state of it. I'm not a sit, I'm not a slick person. I'm not someone who can be succinct. I'm not someone who can <laughs> do a sound bite or whatever. I can just babble. And, and that's what I did about that. And yeah, I got the job on Tortured, series two of Tortured, which is yeah. obviously just, ridiculous um, yeah being able I, to do that i mean it's a it's a i mean of my, my personal opinion it's a great episode um oh. and it's a it's a really important episode in the series as well i, I think because it's 
it's sort of part of like a mini trilogy, I suppose, which is yeah. all about Owen and you know coming to terms with his death slash non death, um, which is is such a cool concept. Bringing something like that into Torchwood into series two, you know, to contrast against you know the sort of nice immortality <laughs> that Jack yeah. has, and then the shit side of immortality that Owen yeah. gets. Um, it, it's it's a it's a great story and a, and a cool concept. Is it something that when when Russell, you know, obviously when when you were sitting down and, and talking about it, is it a case that you had this kind of idea for the story, or was it you know we want you to do this kind of story? What was which way around was it pitched? Or was it it was, sort of like- it was them them they had they knew they wanted to do this trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the, that point was about Yanto. It was Yanto who died. Um, oh, really? Yeah, That's that, interesting. I think scripts were written for Yanto. I don't think there was for me. I don't think I ever wrote a script for Yanto in it, but um, it was Yanto up until very, very late in the, uh, the before it went to studio. Um, and I think they, they just very rightly thought, well, do you make Yanto a you know a quiet introverted character? How different is he going to be? <laughs> it's yeah. like he's he's already been through hell. He's already done all the cyborg and stuff. Or you take the the guy who shags around, eats, drinks, smokes, does what he mm. wants, is full of life. You take him and you take all that away from him. That's obviously mm-hmm. a lot more interesting. Yeah, um, it makes a lot more sense for, for yeah. Owen, it's it? weird to imagine it ever being Yanto. Yeah, because it, it wouldn't. I'm, yeah, I'm trying to Perfect make it. it. Yeah, I'm trying, it, to, I'm trying to Him and Jack wouldn't be able to sleep with each other, but, you know, that'd be it. Yeah. Um, uh, so, that happened quite a bit. So, I, was, I know I definitely did storylines for Yanto that were about him joining a, or investigating and joining a group of people who've had near-death experiences, and there was some creepy thing. And I think that that was there for a while, and then I think they realised that was probably too similar to the the middle storyline, the Matt Jones story, um, which had mm-hmm. thirteen deaths, I think, and death coming into sort of say Helen's hospital mm-hmm. and killing people. Um, and yeah, I, so I can't actually remember where this my actual storyline came from. Um, I think it probably had a bigger storyline, and then it was just more and more that Joe just write what it's like to be Owen, um, you know, mm-hmm. explore it. Um, and so originally I was an overcommission. So I think they commissioned 15 scripts for 13 episode series, um, which meant that if, it, you know, an episode falls through, they've got a spare. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, and I remember I found out, and I remember one day I found out was uh, Gary Russell was had, a, I think it was a flat warming on the night 42 was broadcast. And, um, I'd, 42 was broadcast a week late because the week before it'd been Eurovision and mm-hmm. I did a short story on the BBC website. I'd done that week's Doctor Who, which was a short story explaining yeah. why they weren't going to 42. Instead, they went to Eurovision. Um, so the following week was Eurovision. I was at Guy Russell's and I remember, I think it was first Gillian Seaborn, who was the producer of Confidential. She said something. And then I think uh, Helen Rayner said something. And I was just getting this vibe from people. Like people were saying little things like you must be excited. 
or something. And you know, you, you know, obviously I'm excited. I'm here. I'm having a great time, and this is the best life ever. And I'm, you know, and then eventually I was just like, I just cottoned on, and I just went to Gary Russell. I just said, "Is my episode being made?" And he went, he took me outside because he said, "Yeah, I've got to tell you." I didn't want to tell you. I didn't want to freak you out. But yes, you, you know, it's been decided your episode isn't an over commission. It is going to be the third part of the Owen trilogy. Um, and mm-hmm. I then properly freaked out. Um, and yeah, so it was it was brilliant. Um, very scary, very weird. Um, still couldn't quite believe it. It genuinely didn't believe it. Even when I was watching it being filmed and stuff, it was just very, very odd because um, it's just not something I expected to ever happen. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's because you mentioned before as well with um, like the big finish stuff, you tend to be drawn to a lot of character driven work which i think you can definitely see in your tv stuff so obviously yeah. a day in the death is obviously a, a character piece for for owen and then also your your sarah jane episodes um so I mean, yeah 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 i mean the the ones in particular that i want to talk about because obviously you've got one for um Rani with, with with the mad woman in the attic and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But the, the mark of, of the berserker um is genuinely I I'm I I remember watching Sarah Jane Adventures on first broadcast like after school, just going yeah. home after school watching Sarah Jane Adventures like everybody did. Um but I, I haven't revisited it since and during this last you know lockdown number three um I thought I'm just going to watch some Sarah Jane because I've not watched it for about, mm. you know, uh, 11, 12 years. Yeah. Um, and, you know, see if it holds up as, uh, you know, as an adult watching it and see if I can I can find any enjoyment from it. Um, and I did. Um, I, I, I still loved it. Um, I just thought it's such a great idea for a show um, and just giving Liz that platform to just yeah. have another generation of kids fall in love with her. Um, but the mark of the berserker definitely stood out to me because I am a, a unashamed lover of, of Clyde Langer. He, I think he's just a, a great character that, yeah. you know, I just think I, if they brought Clyde Langer back in, in Doctor Who now, just in any think, way, yeah. just bring Clyde back. Um, but yeah, I mean, so that that was your first Sarah Jane episode. Am I am I right? So yeah. obviously you'd done the episode for Torchwood, and then I imagine about it was probably about the time series two of Torchwood went out that that Sarah Jane was coming back. Well, Sarah Jane Adventures was starting. I imagine probably about two thousand. I want to say I think it was all. I I think Sarah Jane. Started the same year as Tortured Series. Yeah, two. I think it was. Um, I think it was Doctor Who. Then a year later, Doctor Who and Tortured. Then a year later, Doctor Who, Tortured, and Sarah Jane. Yeah, and then that all. Oh, they were days, series. weren't they? It's yeah. just endless. And then it um, all built to Series Four with. Yeah, I, I think oh, it was because then you've got Series Four with with Journey's End and stuff like that. Best thing ever to happen in Doctor Who. Journey's oh, End. so good, so good. Um, but yeah, so you've. That you've you've started that at the same time, and I mean you you can't get two more different shows that are set mm. in the same universe. You've got 
sex, drugs, and sex monsters. Um, and then you've got kids running up about never yeah, ends. fighting yeah. fighting aliens. So were you, were you like apprehensive about going from something so dark to children's TV? No, no. I mean, I was just thrilled because Russell just said, Can Joe, would you would you do a Sarah Jane adventures? Um, because I think what he saw in me was someone who really likes exploring a character. I really like taking a particular character on a journey. Um, and I think what I had to learn, learn over my Sarah Jane adventures was I needed to add more plot. So my Torchwood could not have been done as a Sarah Jane adventure because it's two people talking for a lot of it, mm-hmm. which you couldn't do in kids' TV. So I learned a lot on the three Sarah Janes I did of just how to combine plot and character, how to tell, you know, a boy bonding with his dad, but not just sitting in a room bonding with his dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd always get away with the little scenes. So I had a scene with Clyde and his dad on the swings or Sarah Jane and Luke in a taxi, no, in yeah. a car. Um, so I'd always get away with one scene, but you could only get away with one scene and it was always shorter, shorter, shorter. Right, that's <laughs> it. It's down to its most beautiful, but now quick monster, bring on the Sabine. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I wasn't worried about that. And actually, I think I'm the opposite to most people. My torture is really quite, although it's got a lot of dark imagery in it and, and it had more swearing than any other episode of Torture, apparently, because um, it's got a lot of casual swearing in it. So that's it, that's impressive. It. But, yeah. Yeah. It, it, um, it went, that, that series two Torture was still on BBC Three, but they were also putting it on BBC Two. Mm. And the BBC Twos were, I think they called it Cut Down or something like that. So the BBC Two was slightly edited there you know so swearing was removed and, and the gratuitous sex or whatever would be removed so it'd be going a bit of an earlier audience for bbc2 um mine was practically apparently impossible because it was just every line that owen and maggie said to each other on the roof was just listen you you know so, so um yeah so but actually my seven jane is much darker my, my especially the first one my um yeah mark of the berserker is a much darker storyline because my torture ends with there's always hope my torture ends with just get through tonight. Maybe tomorrow will be better. Maybe it won't be, but maybe mm. it'll be better. Um, you know, there's a pink, big pink gay light lights up Cardiff <laughs> night sky. Um, you know, the gay aliens are here. Um, my Sarah Jane, my first one ends with, oh, my dad's never going to be good enough. Now I can yeah. do about that. Um, I have to learn to live with it. He's never going to be good enough. And I, it's better for me to say to him, I don't really want you in my life because I don't think you're good for me. Um, you know, just a much darker. That's yeah. not kids TV. That's, you know, kids TV should be, I've learned the error of my ways. Yeah. Um, and it isn't that. And I really liked it for that. I really liked that Russell let me do that. Um, mm. I mean, I imagine he wanted that, you know, there wasn't a plan to sort of bring his dad in as a regular or anything. Um, but yeah, so I know I got told, for that this we want Clyde's dad to come back and we want them to go on a road trip that was big Russell's big idea for that was I want them to go on a road trip um and he had the idea of I want them to go to a it's Russell thinking visuals so his thing was I want them to go on a road trip and I want them to end up at a harbour I want them to end up about mm-hmm. to get on a boat which was very crazy because you we were just like okay yeah. why would they not go to an airport why would they do this <laughs> But, you know, and then, then you also had to Google because it was like, it's set in Ealing. How far? So I lived in, did I live in London at the time? 
Yeah, I did. Yeah, I lived in London. Yeah, no, long lived in London a while. Yeah. But even then, I've got no, I've got no sense of geography whatsoever. So I even now could not tell you where Ealing is in relation to the area of London I live in. I certainly couldn't say how far it is from Ealing to the coast. So I had to Google. So it is a real port or harbour or whatever. And it was this something of well, I suppose they're going to get there. They've got the yeah. So it's, it's, medallion. it's, a pil- control- it's a pilgrimage that that Doctor Who fans can make if you really yes, want to. Yes, this is true, if, but obviously you want not to do any of those locations. Yeah, if you want to do the road trip of the Berserker, um, yeah, you can. Which, which, you know, if that floats your boat at the harbour, then go for it. I think it's called. Is it Teeling to? Yeah, it's Ealing to Tilbury Docks. It's an hour and nine minute drive. Well, there you go. So stick there the we pod- go. I have get, no idea what Podcast what on in the car. <laughs> listen to this, and <laughs> just from... and just drive from Ealing yeah. to to a random harbour. And, and you will find that you know neither Ealing nor Tilby Dock, Docks look like what they do on on services. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, it's it, it's so because what what I've I've. I, I've realised about about you while we've been talking is that I mean just going back to like the website stuff for example um, and, and all of that you know you were probably writing more Doctor Who that I was intaking as a child than you know than you know like yeah. Russell and and yeah that, then I realised yeah. definitely because Doctor Who was on once a week for you know 13 mm. weeks out of a year all of those other nights like a, a lot of other people who probably have no mates like me um did was you know at home after school on playing the doctor who website yeah so i was just reading those stories and then obviously watching watching torchwood way too young oh, um, it was like talking to Definitely. I was chatting to someone and they said about, oh, is it? You know, doing, I was involved, I was helping out in a student film um, the other week and one of them said, oh yeah, no, I used to love Tortured. And I was like, you're 20. Mm-hmm. Could you have watched Tortured when it went well, out? Yeah, because I... That would mean I, you were 10. You were yeah, 10 I, watching... <laughs> you were 10 I, watching a series I find difficult to watch at times. I'm like, that's <laughs> gruesome. There's no need. Yeah, well, I, I it dawned on me the other day because I rewatched Children of Earth. <laughs> But I, I was like, I remember watching this on first broadcast, yeah. and I was twelve years old. That's not good. That's not that's good. not good. Yeah, I but mean, it's also not good for me because it's certainly a thing a recurring thing for me. All this stuff only feels like a couple of years ago for me. Yeah. So I find it really odd when people say that. First time I sort of realised quite a long ago this all was um, was I get this writers group and. Yeah, there's one guy, this, this new actor uh, joined us and um, he was gorgeous. He was like 6'2", sort of sleeveless top because he was in good, good shape, um, beautiful. And we realised we had something in common. Neither of us were waiting to the break to go and get a pint. Every time we finished reading a script, us two would run to the bar, get a pint and then run back up. So we were having like six pints in a relationship. Else. So we got chatting afterwards and we got on really well. Um, and I'm sort of like, oh, yeah, it's Trying to be all cool and calm and all this stuff. And then he turns out and goes, I actually do know who you are. And I was like, oh, what do you mean? And he went, well, I know that you've written stuff, you know, what you've written for. And he said, because I was a big fan of Martha Jones's MySpace blog. <laughs> I was like, 
Oh, mate. You know, now I feel old. Um, and now he is, uh, oh, what do you call it? That Doctor Immersive Experience, the new, is it part of Doctor Who Victorious? Oh, or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the unit soldier in the video. He's oh, James. Oh, really? James. Yeah. Because yeah, we, we then became really good mates. Um, and he, I've worked, he, we've worked together on various things. We've written, I've written for him and he's written, you know, he's been in things and, and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah see, we, we're really good mates. And he, yeah, he popped up in that and I was like messaging because I knew what a, what a, uh, a Doctor Who nerd he was. And I was like, <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah. yeah, that was the first time I realised that actually a sort of generation has passed. You know, a, a, there was a generation of people who watched The Nightmare Man and who will now say to me, oh, you really scared me when I was a child. And I'll be like, yeah. oh, good. Yeah. Um, a very dirty old man. <laughs> well, um, on on that note, we're, we're going to take uh, a very brief little break. Um, oh. And... When we come back, um, we have the small matter that, that everyone uh, loves at home, um, I hope, uh, which is the DVD collection and seeing mm. what you've picked. So um, everybody at home, go and, go and chill, go and have a drink or something or whatever it is people do when I decide to put a minute of jazz in, in, in between talking. Welcome back uh, to Who Knew, a Doctor Who podcast. And it's been a matter of seconds for you and a matter of seconds for us. Um, but we are back with Joe Lidster to see what he would like to put in the DVD collection. By the power of Grayskull. The Unicorn and the Wasp or Love and Monsters. Which one do you think I prefer? No, I mean, which one do you want to watch first? You are pulling my leg. So, um, as always, I don't know what you've picked. Um, it's my favourite part of every every show, um, where I get my guests to pick a random Doctor Who episode from history that just just means something to them in some way. It doesn't have to be their favourite. It doesn't have to be the best episode, you know, Love and Monsters went in a few weeks ago. Um, it it gives you the vibe. Uh, it is. It's great. I love it. I adore it. When that um, came out and there was arguments and people were going, oh, my God, I was like, did you not just see the most beautiful hour, was, 45 minutes I of television I've ever made? I love it. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure I'm going to love what you pick. So please inform me. What have you selected to go into the DVD collection? I, I, there was just, there's so many, ah, I, I love. Um, but the one mm. I thought actually, I checked your list, I don't think it's on there, is Aliens of London and World War Three. <sighs> is it on the list? It's not. It's, not. it's yes. not. And I'm so glad it is. Um, I mean, the, uh, one reason I'm glad is because uh, series one is is undoubtedly my my favorite hmm. my favorite series of, of doctor who um and it now means i think we're now nearing half of series one in the <laughs> dvd Excellent. collection after just 
um, 16 episodes, which is is quite impressive. Um, and I think it just shows, you know, how good it is. Um, because it's it's also now all the two parts from series one are in. Oh, brilliant. Which is cool. Um, and I love this story. This is, uh, whenever I see people, because uh, I, I do see it get a little bit of grief sometimes. Mm. And it always makes me sad because I just think, but I, I hate to be one of these people, but I'm like, I, I don't think you get it. I think this, I, I hate to be one of the people who's like, oh, you don't understand this media that I love. But mm. I just, I think on some level, some people just absolutely vibe with it and some people don't. So what, what is it about it that, that you love? There is an element of that. There is um, an element of a, yeah. again, maybe it's the age and the falling in between, where I fell in between the series and stuff like that. I can't understand people who don't enjoy humour in Doctor Who um, or people who are embarrassed by Doctor Who. And I think there is a very big thing, there certainly was before the new series came back, of um, people love Pyramids of Mars, Towns of Wang Chiang, things like that, not just because they are actually great Doctor Who stories, but because they don't look like Doctor Who, they're not silly spaceships, they're not silly aliens, they're... I could show that to my family and I'm not ashamed of liking this as a 40 year old man. And it's like, yeah, your family are still going to sit there and go, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Why would you watch this as a 40 year old man? They will not see the difference between that and Nightmare of Eden or whatever. Mm-hmm. When Doctor Who came back, I remember the filming pictures because people were filming, so saw it being filmed. And it was like, it was so exciting. I mean, yeah. the one thing I will say is you young people will never understand the absolute madness of it coming back. Yeah. So no, it'd been I, away for I, so long. I and it was that. like, we've got a shot of Billy Piper running down the road in Cardiff. And you were like, it, it is coming back. It's actually coming back. This is, I don't understand. How is this happening? Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember one of the things was Albion Hospital. That was one of the first filming things. And they got, the, they filmed the front of it. Uh, so I remember being very excited. And I stuck a reference into my unit play, which was totally illegal. Big Finish didn't have the rights to any new series stuff. I'm hoping that nobody will sue anybody at this time. But my unit play has a reference to Albion Hospital. And it was just like, I think somebody did spot eventually and go, right, it's not really allowed. Um, uh, Because I was just so excited about it. And I think we, one of the first pictures we saw, I think, was of the space pig. And I was just like, what is this? This is crazy. And it's real. It's real. And it's in modern day London, which... For all that you talk about all that stuff happening in Doctor Who, you know, Yeti or Blue mm-hmm. in Tooting Beck, it happens so rarely in the old series. In the old series, even if it was set on modern day Earth, it would be set in scientific installations or nuclear power yeah. plants or, or things like that. It wasn't set, obviously, because of the way things have changed. and things. It was never set on the embankment. It was never mm. set on, you know, outside a tra- unit, uh, an underground station or whatever. Um it was just never set in that real world. And I love yeah. them. I have a real passion for someone who doesn't, who only moved here, well, moved here a decade ago, whatever. But I love like the, the underground and the iconography of London. I think London's an amazing city. So to see all that happening on, in, in, on the paparazzi pictures was amazing. Mm-hmm. And then I just remember the next time, what's the story before Aliens of London? Is that Unquite Dead? Uh, Unquite Dead, yeah. Yeah, Unquite Dead. 
and next time was you know the thing goes to big ben and i'm like what and then alien comes on and it had that previously that went back to rose and mm. again it's little things like that that you probably don't understand that Doctor Who had never done that. Doctor Who had never been. That was like as if Trial of a Time Lord had had flashbacks to like the war games or something. Yeah. Well, when you were on Trial before, cut back to flashbacks. So to have flashbacks to Rose, even then it was that like exciting. The music is brilliant. And then Spaceship goes through the thing. And there's, space, and there's reporters and Andrew Marr and then 10 Downing Street. And it was just so, and then the Slovene. I just, it was so funny, but also so brilliant. And it was so mm. like, it was like somebody had taken my favourite TV show, Doctor Who, and had made this new version of Doctor Who that became even more my favourite TV show. Um, yeah. And that's exactly, obviously, what they had done. Um, you know, and it had, like, it had Tosh, who I loved in Absolutely Fabulous. It had that actress I recognised, and it had him from Teachers. And I obviously knew who Penelope Wilton was. So it had people, again, it was like, they were, it's got cast members I know. And they're in the 10 Downing Street, and this is crazy. Um, and then... It had the cliffhangers. It had. It's got like three cliffhangers, hasn't it? It's got three people in yes. different locations. And again, one of my things with Doctor Who when it came back was because it's so glossy compared to the, you know, because TV had moved mm. on so much. Never mind yeah. anything else. Like one of the things I loved in End of the World was Rose gets into peril and she's screaming as a. You know, I don't know. She's not screaming, screaming, but she's an mm. old school Doctor Who companion because there's an element of you watch Rose and you think. Is the companion going to be put in the situations that a companion will be putting in the yeah. old series? Because is that too old fashioned now? Aliens of London has Jackie screaming as the Slovene medicines are in her kitchen. Yeah. I was crying. I was loving it so much. And yeah, the second episode is so great. And, and people, there were, I remember there was kickback at the time, you know, so from older fans who were like, this mm-hmm. is silly. And we don't want, they didn't want stories set on council estates, that, because that's just bad. Um, uh, we don't want council estates. And uh, it was the same as when my first Doctor Who came out, and they were like, we don't want stories featuring these people in Ibiza. And I remember a mate of mine going on yeah. out West Gallifrey or whatever it is, and saying, the last one was set in Colditz. <laughs> you don't have an issue with Colditz, but you have an issue with young people in Ibiza. And it's a bit like, like you don't have an issue with like a slave camp, but you have an issue with the council estate. Um, but it was that thing of, well, how can Mickey and Jackie stop that from their computer, stop the missiles? It's like, because it's Doctor Who. It's exactly. not real world drama. It's not yeah. gritty American sci-fi. It's exactly. silly. That's literally the point of Doctor Who, is that mm-hmm. Jackie and Mickey's of this world, if someone's telling you, giving you advice, you can stop a missile landing. Um, yeah. I just, no, I love it so much. Um, I, yeah, it's... And uh, the the end, you know, I mean, just Rose going back home and packing a bag this time. And then that heartbreaking ending where Jackie's there. Yeah. And Jackie doing Stitch This when she hits Doctor Who. Yeah. And uh, Trinity Wells, who is the best character in all of Doctor Who. It's her first story. Oh, amazing. Um, amazing. The amazing Trinity Wells. Uh, but, you know, then that, it has a heartbreaking ending. And you already go, this show is absolutely for all its silliness and everything, he's absolutely going, this is a girl a girl becoming a woman and leaving home. Mm. This is, you know, Jackie knows it, Rose knows it. You know, Rose can say, I could be back whenever, but Jack, what she says, I'll be back in 10 seconds, and Jackie just stands there, and it's like, you know she won't be. Um, and yeah. It's just gorgeous television. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, there we go. And it's got an amazing soundtrack. I love the soundtrack. Yeah, it. well, it's a, it's a great pick. It's one very close to my heart. It's, it's one of my, I always refer to it as 
both episodes as um like proper comfort episodes for me. Yeah. But I like it's the making kind me want of, to watch it now. It's like yeah, have I got like, to actually watch it before the circle. I might do yeah. Yeah, great. Yeah. Watch it. Um yeah, like the episodes like that, it it fits in the same mold. Um, I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before, like Christmas Invasion is just yeah. like ultimate, ultimate comfort episode for me. Well, that's the first one I worked on, so I will take all all well, they, for that. exactly. Yes, it's all down to you. Um, down to me. <laughs> um, um, yeah, just those episodes that, well, yeah, whenever and it's so you're, colorful, you're always, I love them, yeah, how colorful great. they are. It's it's it really is Russell doing what he said he would do, which is making Doctor Who compete with Saturday Night TV. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as Doctor Who, the new series has gone on in the way that you know series do. I think it went to phases for me where it became too complicated. It became not for families. It's become yeah. all, all blue and grey, and it's like I love that colour palette of Rose and Aliens of London and Boomtown and Parting of the Ways and the Christmas Invasion. I love the pink Rose and Jackie in their pinks and the blues and mm-hmm. the bold colours. I love the fact that it is just this gorgeous it feels sunny all the time it's how i always remember the sarah jane adventures i always remember sarah jane adventures of being sunny because that period certainly yeah. in my life like you say about being comfort certainly in my life that was comfort that was when my career yeah. started and i loved the whole world building of it sarah jane torchwood and doctor who and they some ways so different but in other ways not different so when all those characters come together in the stolen earth it's like yeah of course they're all in yeah. the same universe and I love, and for me, Aliens of London is part of that period that's just it really is setting up all that and going, oh, unit from the old series. And you go, yeah. oh, it's part of the old series as well. You know, it's, yeah, love it. Yeah. Well, yeah, amazing pick. And it's on the shelf. It is on the DVD shelf officially. And right. naturally, natural progression assumes that we will now head over to that grim little website that is bloody twitter for god's sake bloody twitter so we've we've got some some questions from wonderful fans from home um and we've so many questions and not usual for for my audience i don't think they'll mind me saying that they're usually absolutely batshit weird um um, but we've actually got some like very deep questions here um, okay. about about writing. I might but, go and get a glass of wine if they're too deep. I'll be on the wine. <laughs> I won't go that deep. I, I won't go that deep. But we've um, we've got some good questions. We'll, we'll speed run a few. Um, uh, Oscar Groucho's friend of the podcast oh, said, yeah. "Yeah, said uh, were you uh, if you were ever to be afforded the gift of show running Doctor Who, have you hypothetically, maybe potentially, plotted your dream episode one? And if you have, um, could you tease the episode in one word? Uh, not the episode. I have, because everybody does, don't they? Everybody we do. Yeah. What we do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I. It would be. I think what Russell did brilliantly when he brought back Doctor Who was he made his first Doctor so different. Chris mm-hmm. Ferguson is not Doctor Who in the way that the Doctors in the old series are. He is a complete and therefore becomes an absolute iconic Doctor Who. 
because mm-hmm. it's like when Tom Baker takes over, it's doing, you can't do, well, you don't want someone clutching their lapels, doing it. Second, his second doctor, you have David Tennant, who has the youth and everything of Christopher Eccleston, but he's so much more classic series. You know, so he's in this long coat and everything like that. And it's brilliant. Yeah. It works really well. And one of the things I think people have done really well, it sounds patronising, like I can tell, well done, you did quite well, Stephen Moffat. Um, <laughs> uh, but I think one thing Chris did really well, Chris Chibnall's done really well, is casting Jodie, who is not, if you say let's cast the first lady Doctor Who, people will go, Judy Dench. Things like yeah. that, you know, there's a, she, people like that. Yeah, she's well, not that northerner, not that young name, blonde yeah. northerner. That's not who you cast. And then, of course, in my mind, anyway, she becomes a brilliant Doctor Who because she's not who you'd cast. So, my, but then I would do is I'd do the Russell thing, which is I would then have a, an older woman, uh, sort of maybe a bit of a Victorian uh, purple, what's a purple, Victorian aesthetic. And mm-hmm. she would have a young male companion from Contemporary Earth. And, and I would probably do that series one kind of. Rose, Aliens of London kind of journey because I love it. Yeah. It works so well. Newsreaders, lots of newsreaders. Um, and a sort of Victoria Waterfield style companion, but obviously not, you know, a bit more like a bit more um, actiony. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, sort of young female companion from the past. So I, I like the second Doctor Zoe and Jamie dynamic. And yeah. I think there's something that could work there in a modern way. I think their friends, their relationship feels quite modern. And I think you could do that in the visual yeah. series, just swap the genders all around. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, I, I, the only thing I did think is I do think if I did it, I would have no returning monsters or anything for that first year. Yeah. Um, I, I think I would go full on. I've enjoyed the I enjoyed like you know Jodie's first year where it was just a, yeah. felt a bit more this is new this is it's a bit calmer and it's a bit it's not tied up to to previous stuff um yeah. even though I loved all the arcs especially when Russell started the arcs I mean, God, again that's something you would never understand as a person watching it for the, who'd never seen an old Doctor Who but you've seen mm-hmm. old Doctor Who and suddenly because it wasn't announced and I just I think it was around Dalek or something where the helicopter says bad wolf or so and I was just like well, and we would go to the pub. A group of us would get the pub after every episode. And we went to the pub. Just went to the pub. Is it me? Or they said bad wolf a couple of times. Is, why does is that phrase be mentioned a couple of times? And then you eventually realise it. It is. Because you suddenly went, of course, because you just didn't expect Doctor Who to be like Lost, to be like modern yeah. TV, to do those kind yeah. of things. Um, so I might maybe have a little arc like that, but not too much of an arc. It would be it would be something quite throwaway. Um, and yeah, and I would just, you know, three mates. I, mean, I think... You don't want to reinvent it too much. You just want yeah. two mates, three mates having a laugh. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, so yeah. as someone who is, uh, some people who follow me on Twitter know, I'm currently trying to do this. I'm, I'm, I've decided that after you know, 15 years of all of these, you know, ideas of what my first series would be in my head, I just thought maybe I'll just try and fucking write it. And just do it. Happens. Yeah. Yeah. And. Um, similar vibes yeah i'm very similar vibes i don't want to give spoilers you know <laughs> yeah uh, no. everyone everyone is waiting uh, with yeah. bated breath no, no one's waiting for it um anyway <laughs> um a uh, few more questions because i you know I'll, i want to there's a couple here that i want to spend a bit longer on than than others um so jamie uh he's always here jamie underscore season seven uh, he said, "What? Which character are you most glad that you've been able to write for?" 
Well, it's funny. I said to you, I did a, a, a podcast earlier on today, so I have to be careful. Good. Did I say that in that? Um, <laughs> I, for me as a writer, I the character I'm least interested in writing for is the Doctor or Captain Jack. I find them because you can't, you don't want to explore them too much. They're the hero and everything. Else. Give me Owen Harper any day of the week. A fascinating mm. character to write for. I'd love to write for Owen again. Clyde again fascinating yeah and then I really enjoyed writing for Rani um so it was always I mean frankly any of them just being Mm. able to write for any of it was brilliant um and then but yeah and you would you would sit there and suddenly go I've just written for Sarah Jane Smith you know it's funny I will you know I've just got that new um we've just got that new blu-ray box set yeah is that yeah I'm not making things up there no I'm watching it the but it's a John Pertwee Mm -hmm. no yeah Yeah, that's Katie but we had the, um, we've, had the, we've had the Sarah Jane one out. They've they've done the Sarah Jane one, yeah. yeah I'm pretty sure they've yeah, done the not, not, they've done I think John's just, last series, yeah. I think actually we've only just caught up on yeah, so we've just watched that um the Elizabeth Sladen big documentary, which was heartbreaking. But it mm-hmm. is that thing of watching something like Pyramids of Mars and suddenly going, That's the woman that's the woman and the character I've written for her. That's yeah. that's <laughs> that's weird. Um but yeah. I have to say Owen was a thrill to write for. Owen, yeah. I love I can imagine. Yeah. Such a fantastic character. Yeah, a lot to work with there, isn't there? Yeah. A lot to work with. Um, um next question. Now th- this is yeah, this is half a question, half a statement. I wanted to include this. It's really, really long, but he's a very good friend of mine. Um okay. and an incredible artist. Um it's um Sam Gingle. Um, who's at Gingle Sam Gingle Samuel on Twitter? Um, he's also called the Long Way Round. He does incredible, dark, twisted Doctor Who art. Amazing. Right. Um, he said, "So you wrote my favourite Doctor Who story of all time, and just one of my favourite stories in general, right up there with Sandman and Blade Runner." Um, it's brilliantly dark with a grim sense of humour and wonderfully fleshed out characters and it's a constant source of inspiration for me and I've been meaning to make a cover of it for a while um he's talking about Master by the way which oh, wow. I also agree is uh, I I listen to because like I said I'm I'm quite new to Big Finish mm. um and I did that trio of you know those three stories oh yeah um uh, Omega, Master, Davros, and all three of them were just blew me away. They were incredible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Master, I loved Master. That twisted Omega is just that twisted oh, Omega so is good. genuinely one of the best. So, plays. so good. I love their fountain, but I also hate him because you do just sort of go. I mean, that's just the most obvious thing in the world to do. Yeah. But it's not because no other person would have thought of it. It's just genius. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. No. 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 Um, uh, but yeah, he said, as dark, cerebral and adult as that was, um, obviously he's, no, he, he, essentially we've, we've pretty much already covered this, but I just wanted to say that because I know that, you know, Sam, he, he was asking about um, how different it is writing for an adult audience than it is for a children's audience. I like like to say, say, yeah, it's, we've, it's we've not that of, different. It's not that different. Mm-hmm. Um there are there are practical things that you can't do right for kids' TV. I remember on my Sarah Jane adventure, Mark of the Berserker, I'd specified in the script the, the teeth change. Um, mm-hmm. So when that boy in the opening scene uh, becomes berserkified in front of the mirror, um, 
I'd said about the teeth changing, and that was one thing CBB said you can't do um, because children have a, they can kind of guess what well, there's an, an, they're scared, but there's mm-hmm. a safety value, and they can get they can part of their brain, a child's brain will go, that's a contact yeah. lens, that's makeup, that's a thing, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it could be as scary as you want. The moment teeth or bones change, that's children are watching it going, don't understand. So, so there are practical differences. Um, certainly on a lot of kids' TV I've done, there's always a thing of we want to scare, but we don't want to traumatise. Yeah. Um, whereas adult, you have a bit more freedom. Um, but generally, I don't find there to be a big difference. I always write my kids tv as adult as i would write it i mean i've only done one adult tv well, but yeah, i don't I always th- write as adult as anything else i've written i as for me it's all right you can't have swearing in it <laughs> you know that's about yeah, it i mean it's i don't think it's a it's a, it's a hot take but you yeah. know i think a, a lot of people would agree and it's it's a thing that i hear people say very often is that children's tv is at its best when it's not patronizing and it's yeah. not talking down to kids. It's talking to them and understanding that they probably get a lot more of this stuff than um, yeah. your Mary Whitehouses of the world would think that they Absolutely. do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that, that makes sense. But, yeah, I, I really wanted to read that out because I completely oh, no, agree. Really nice. it's, it's, a, it's a cracker of a story. Lovely. Um, and Again, um, I haven't heard it in, like, however many years. And then sometimes I do just go... Maybe I should really listen to it. And then I'm like, well, what if I, what if I either hate it or what if I sit there going, oh, God, I can't write that like anymore. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm, so, I'm, I'm, I have to say, as someone who listened to it, I think like two weeks ago, it definitely holds up. It's great. Oh, thank you. Um, and, I mean, well, like I said, I'm so sorry if we haven't got around to your, your question, but so many came in. Um, but hopefully a lot of these things that you've asked, we've covered. Um, but last one, um is from clo at cosmic underscore angst um again this is this quite a quite an intellectual question like i said usually usually we get people coming on like um uh if you put all of the doctor who showrunners in a pub and started a bar fight who would win um that's russell russell that is exactly what everybody i mean the guy's a giant exactly everyone says russell He's literally a foot taller than me. It's like, yeah. it's like... <laughs> um, well, she said, with his strength, arguably in writing such an intimate human gloom, especially in Sarah Jane Adventures, where he twists psychological fears that you didn't know you had, which is a really cool way of putting it. Um, where do you find your inspiration for for the darkness in your stories? Oh, uh, real life. Um, I uh, so I have depression, um, which I live with. You know, mm-hmm. um, that certainly gives me an insight into some pretty grim stuff. But certainly, something like the nightmare man. I tend to think there's one thing we did really well. Well, we did really well. We 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 all had in common on the Sarah Jane Adventures was we were all fans of old TV, not just old mm-hmm. Doctor Who, but old TV. Um, I would sort of. Me and um, you know, sort of the, the sadly no longer with us, Rupert Late, um, were a bit younger than the others, but we all had sort of similar childhood memories of TV. So a lot of it for me would be either memories from TV trying to create a similar vibe. So like something like 
terror of the vervoids um there is a scene in that where a vervoid shakes a man's hand and it leaves a spike in his hand you watch it it's ropey as anything it's studio da, da, da. Mm-hmm. but me watching that at the age of 10 or whatever i was it terrified me i wouldn't shake anyone's hand for ages because i could feel that pain because you've had a rose thorn stuck in mm-hmm. there there's a there's a a related real life thing to it so you've had mm-hmm. a rose thorn stuck in your hand you know what so to have it, there was something like that so even like with the berserker thing i specified i think before berserkers came up um feeling they might have been quite a late edition but i said that the actual pendant and the, i specified it was blue because i thought what well, a child the next day could draw on their hand with a biro and go mm-hmm. you know i'm i'm now whatever the, the possessed people were called yeah um and so with the nightmare man there were things like I wanted the nightmares to be not just sounds off when I say it because we lit so Jay literally did a story about it, but I didn't just want a scary clown. Mm. I didn't just want a nightmare about a scary clown. Uh, partly yeah. because there'd been that amazing um Day of the Clown story. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. but for me it had to be they had to be nightmares that had to be genuinely try and get under your skin. And so like not Luke's first nightmare is him overhearing Sarah Jane saying uh, to K-9 that she can't wait till Luke's goes. She's never really liked him. You've got to put that on kids' TV. <laughs> Character's mother saying she can't wait till her job goes because she never liked him. <laughs> um, and, and Liz is so brilliant. It's, God, she's terrifying in it. And that came from, again, just me always constantly going, well, what? maybe because I am an internal child. I don't feel like I'm not an adult in any way, shape or form. But um, as a kid, I was always listening at the top of the stairs to the adults talking downstairs. Mm. We'd get sent to bed and then I'd go and listen at the top of the stairs because I'd want to hear what they were all talking about. What do adults talk about when the kids aren't there? And do they talk about us and things like that? And I would do that. So I thought that was a very clear childhood memory. And that I combined that with a memory from a few years before when I'd first... So university, lived in Newcastle, and then I had to go back home because I just had no money. Um, and I felt like my life was over. I felt that was when my depression became a big thing. So 21, 22. Yeah. Um, and I remember overhearing my mum on the phone to someone. My younger brother had just moved out. And I remember her on the phone saying to someone, um, oh, I know one goes and another one comes back just chat you know she did not mean anything by it obviously why mm-hmm. would she you know it's just after, but i it really really broke me at the time just because i was so mentally all over the place yeah um and i remember thinking so when it came to doing those nightmares i remember going i want to capture that darkness i want that i want it to play on what is it so there are things like i find you know the burning of the oh, i've watched nightmare i haven't seen sarah Jane in years because um i found a bit to be honest a bit too upsetting to watch because it was the best time of my life and then this died and you know so i haven't watched it since yeah. it went out or since that, that time and i recently watched um the nightmare man because a friend of mine was showing it to some mates and he said well do you want to watch it and i was like all right first of all i was just like actually this is quite a good script well done me there's lots <laughs> of jokes in it there's lots of jokes in it that really look good um but there are things like burning the photos and i just think that's such a horrific terrifying image and I think that's what I wanted was that sort of genuine you've got the spooky nightmare man and, and he taps him on the shoulder you've got those things yeah. but that's combined with real emotional yeah impactful dreams so if Ronnie does become a journalist 
what's she going to do? What's more important? The truth. So big, quite big questions of what's more important. If you're a, you know, so Jane Smith's a journalist in the old series of Doctor Who, she should be reporting on the unit. She should be telling the world what unit does, but actually she doesn't. Um, Clyde was the interesting one because Clyde, we really had to do. There was an interesting thing with kids TV of um, kids TV tends to be pretty aspirational. You know, you want the main characters want to go to university or Rani wants to be a journalist. With We had a thing of, well, Clyde isn't that clever. He's not book clever. He's uh, very mm -hmm. street clever, but he's not book clever. He's not going to go to university. He's not going to do that. So what did you do? So we had, to, we had this dream that we wanted to make sure that the dream never implied that working in a cafe was bad. What was bad was Sarah Jane's reaction to him working in a cafe, yeah. which again is quite dark for a kids TV show to go down. But this is Sarah Jane Adventures. We'd heard... Um, in the first, even in Warriors of the Kudluck or whatever it is, you know, where it's like adventure, you know, boo, 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 you know, the most kids TV probably episode they ever did. That still had a boy who came back from war, you know, <laughs> was it the Gulf War or something, his older brother or something, there was some character, certainly something in a real life war had been mentioned. Yeah. And, you know, um, we never shied away from that. And I think that was always my thing in The Nightmare Man was for me to earn the ending of Luke, Ronnie and Clyde holding hands and defeating the Nightmare Man. It has mm. to be personal. It has to be, you have to draw in on yourself and go, well, yeah. actually what for me as a, a then 30 odd year old man would actually upset me. And actually all those nightmares would upset me. So it's like, yeah. they're gonna upset me. They'll probably upset a kid watching. Yeah, no, no, no that's, that's, that's lovely. Because I, I mean, when, when you're saying it, I, uh, I hadn't even it hadn't even clicked in my head, but um, obviously different kinds of stories. But you can you can definitely draw you know the kinds of parallels to like can you hear me from from the last series mm. where it's you know like uh, nightmares you know uh, it's a, it's definitely a, a a piece where we look at the the fears of of three companions. Um, yeah which is is really cool and it, it's obviously an episode that looks at mental health in a way that Doctor mm. Who probably hasn't it, it has before but probably not in in, in such a, an obvious such way a, yeah yeah um and I mean it's 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 great that you were doing stuff like that on kids tv you know <laughs> well no but it's 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 like you laugh about it because it is dark but mm. that's you know that's what kids tv is for it's always, to educate and, and yeah. it's to, to get it's to give kids you know an idea of you know mm. these kind of life experiences before they happen to them i did um, it. i mean it's similar thing i was just because it's a similar thing with mark of the berserker so my first one was mm -hmm. um i remember a time when i was a kid uh, we went to visit some my, two of my, 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 my parents' mates or something, and I was sent off with their kids, and we went off. Their kids were a little bit, you know, a bit naughty, and we ended up on a bypass uh, smoking, and I mm. hated it. It was like because I was I, I wanted to be at home and all that, so I really wanted to push out Mark Observer because I specified that the last scene with him and Sarah Jane had to be in the most beautiful part of the attic and it had to look beautiful because he was safe, he was home. And it was that thing of going, I want your fears to do that. But then at the end of the episode, it going, there is always home. You're always safe. There is mm. a, your family and friends are there for you. Yeah. Um, so yeah. 
Yeah. Was that, so was yeah. that, is that the end question? There's no more? Well, um, yeah. Yeah, we're going to, we'll, we'll, we'll call that the last question. Um, because I, we, we've got one final little trip to take before oh, yeah. we, we wind down to, to the end of the podcast. Mm. Um, and we're going to have a little stroll down the corridor of fame. Have you ever been limited by who you were before? One day I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Yeah. Sarah Jane? Do I have the right to some people's small, beautiful events? Is what life is all about. It's an anniversary compared to us. Ten million years of absolute power. That's what it takes to be really perfect. A great decision, great ripples. Like a huge boulder dropped in a lake. When it was a child, this dream that made you adopted. He dreamt you could no more. Corridor of Fame for anyone listening at home. Um, it's a Hall of Fame for Doctor Who. So there's amazing people on 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 the corridors already, you know. And uh, I've, I've only just clicked there's, there's people that you've worked with, which is cool. You know, um, yes. obviously the amazing Liz Sladen, who yeah. you know we all love. Russell is on there as well. Um, and actually, one that I wanted to bring up because I forgot to mention it in the DVD collection, because um, you mentioned about um, the ship crashing into Big Ben. Because Mike Tucker is actually in the corridor yes. of fame, um, obviously for. And I just wanted to say the model work in that episode for, for that so is good. is probably, in my opinion, that the best model work yeah. we've, we've ever seen on Doctor Who for that Big Ben scene. I just adore it. Um, but now we're going to have another name join the 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 growing list. Um, so you know anyone can be in it. All of the doctors are already in, of course. Um, you know they they're, they're in automatically. Um, and then we've got you can have companions, writers, directors, whoever you want. So who would you like to submit to the corridor of fame? I was umming and ahhing, and because it's like loads of people, and then I thought actually. Do you know what? I'm going to go for um, a personal choice, uh, you know, something that means something to me, and that's Gary Russell, um, yeah. who is sort of not so much involved with Doctor Who. He does, he was involved, he did the, um, oh, I'm so bad with names, the animation, the, the cartoon that just came out, not Macra. No, oh, Fury, Fury, Fury from the Deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did that. Um, but he was much, he used to do so much uh, in the Doctor Who world. Um, but I owe my entire career to Gary. I owe my entire career to him giving me the first opportunity on Big Finish, working with me at Big Finish, giving me a second opportunity at Big Finish, um, and getting me then the job on Torchwood. Um, and Gary, you know, without Gary, there wouldn't have been Big Finish. Um, 
Rob Shearman wouldn't be involved in the world of Doctor Who, I don't think. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Mark Gatiss wrote his first Doctor Who for Gary. Um, you don't have to agree with everything, Gary, all Gary's choices, but you can't deny that Big Finish had a huge impact on a lot of people's lives and still does um, yeah. because of Gary. Um, because one thing Gary did do as and has done and certainly made clear to me is um, one thing he did was he would commission stories that weren't to his tastes. So mm. he didn't like the new adventures. Why did he commission a new guy he'd never met to write a very new adventure style story? Because he understood that Doctor Who had that fan base that might not yeah. be in this into big, you know, he understood how it worked. And um, yeah, he's a genuinely lovely bloke. Um, and I owe him everything, and he's a good mate. I don't see enough of him. Well, obviously, lockdown, don't see enough of anyone. Um, yeah. But even before then, you know, because he's travelled around and done so much, and he's a great script editor, and, uh, yeah, he's just a lovely bloke who um, I think has had more of an impact on a lot of Doctor Who than people would have necessarily thought. Yeah, um, no, yeah, that's, so. that, is a, that is a lovely pick, because, I mean, it, that's, that's what... The corridor of fame is 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 all about to me because you, you know eventually i think yeah you know if i'm here in my hundreds doing this podcast you know <laughs> from a from an old people's home you know all of the legends are gonna make it in at some yeah. point everyone you know because there's some people and rightly so they should but um yeah every every couple of weeks or so we get a more unsung hero of of Doctor Who, who mm. you know deserves deserves that shout out because, and I mean you know Gary Russell more more than anyone because like I said I, I'm I'm new to it all with with the audios and stuff, mm. and I'm I'm new to to Gary like I did I didn't know a lot yeah. about him up until recently, and now you you sort of see how like you said he he gave so many people like you. And you know, you know their their, their first breaks in in writing Doctor Who, which then influenced the the show coming back so much mm. because a lot of those writers crossed over, and a lot of the people working on on Big Finish crossed over. Um, you know, to to the point where now now we've got you know the Night of the Doctor mentioning Big Finish companions. I know, which is yeah. so cool, so cool. Um, he's just he's just a very very supportive person. Um, yeah. You know, he's very, very keen to support people, um, which, you know, you want in life. <laughs> you want nice people. Yeah. Um, he's just a nice bloke. Yeah. Lovely. Uh, that's, that's a great pick. And I'd, I'd love to get him on the podcast at some point. Oh, he's a, it, it, a nice bloke, but he loves talking about himself. So just <laughs> drop him a line on Twitter. He'll be straight on here. It'll be your first 10 hour podcast. Oh, that's wonderful. That is wonderful. Um, well, it's. I mean, before we go, um, it's, it's been it's been great. I've really enjoyed this, um, mm, but I have, yeah, I, I do have one final question, which is a question that I ask everybody, and um, it always it always brings great answers. So no pressure, but okay. <laughs> in a sentence, loosely doesn't have to oh. be a sentence. Doesn't have to be a sentence. You can, you can. I'm it not good with words. Don't make okay. In in a in a certain amount of words that you could decide, what does Doctor Who 
mean to you? Ugh. It's a tough one, isn't it? I, I do I do drop this on people and I feel bad because it's such a hard question. It, I mean, Doctor Who, it, to me personally, Doctor Who is about friendship. It's given me so many, regardless of my career, which, yes, is probably all down to Doctor Who. Um, it's just given me so many friends. Um, my boyfriend, so many of my mates are all through in some way the world of Doctor Who. Um, mm-hmm. So I owe so much to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's lovely. That's lovely. Because it just shows how this yeah. daft little program. Just and it's all about Trinity Wells. Yeah. It, Trinity Wells. What? <laughs> that's great. What does Doctor Who mean to you? Two words. Trinity, Trinity, Trinity Wells. Wells. Look to the skies, people. Well, I think that's a great place to end it. I think cool. you're never gonna, we're never gonna top Trinity Wells. But um, I mean, be- before we go, um, where can people find you? And oh. where, you know what what what's happening in the world of of Joe Lish, uh, Just Twitter. I, I don't have. I, well, I've got a YouTube. I've got a YouTube channel. Like you know, fifty six years after everyone else. Um, so I've got a YouTube channel that has a couple of short films I've done on it and so on. So people want to watch that, that's quite fun, hopefully. Um, but yeah, I think you get the link through that through um just like God, this I can't even open my profile. That's all right. I'll put it in the literally the word profile. Um yeah, uh, the so if you go to my Twitter, which is at Joe Lidster, um it says Joe Lidster has read the standing orders. So there's me, finger on the button, with a joke from four weeks ago. Um, there's a pinned tweet which links to my YouTube page. Um, and yeah, I, you know, I mean, I mostly put rubbish on Twitter, but if, uh, if uh, on, the, on the rare occasion I get a job or anything or have anything to share, I'll, I'll tweet about it. Wonderful, wonderful. And I'm on Instagram as well, but that's just cake, usually. That's, well, everyone loves cakes. I know. Yeah, get, get over there. Um, well... Like I said, it's been an absolute pleasure. And in terms of where, where you can find us, the podcast, um, you, you've been listening to Who Knew. I don't know if you noticed by now. Um, you can find us on Twitter, Who Knew Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Who Knew DW Pod. You can email us, Who Knew DW Pod at gmail.com. And you can follow me, Josh Ryan Carr, on Twitter and we're on youtube and wherever you get your podcasts so please subscribe like comment share wherever you can it really does help out but like i said it's been an immense pleasure it's been great um thank you for coming on and goodbye everybody goodbye goodbye Thanks for listening to Who Knew, a Doctor Who podcast. You can check us out wherever you get your podcasts and now on YouTube. Please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you can as it really helps us out. And a massive thanks to the Sononauts for lending their cover of the Doctor Who theme to be the theme for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs>